So, it is my honor to introduce my good friend, a pastor whom I love dearly. This man just oozes grace and compassion and love for God and for people. Would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Steve Eden. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Honor to be here. And been here a few times. Uh, my share of Jubilees and Ram conferences and those things. Uh, you're blessed to have Pastor Lee and Ginger as part of it. And, of course, Brother Zach, such a tender heart. Such a tender heart. And so thank you for the opportunity, brother, uh, to come and share. I don't know if you saw, I did bring some free CDs. I don't know if you know where I got that from. <laughs> Stole that idea from somebody. Brother Dwayne's been Stacy and my pastor since 2004 when uh, the Lord, we had extended an invitation through a friend. I had never met Brother Dwayne, but uh, a friend at the church where I was uh, pastoring or am pastoring, uh, knew of him, were taking some courses online, so we asked, and uh, as the story goes, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go up to Oklahoma City and help this poor young pastor that's up there. Uh, that was back in 04. I've aged a little bit since then, got a lot of gray hair since then too. But uh, Brother Dwayne and Sue have been a great blessing to us. So the CDs are out there. The books, I've written five books, and uh, I think I brought four of them. But they're $5, and if you, that just helps cover my costs to uh, publish them. If you, if you can't uh, afford $5, then we'll give it to you. I'd rather you have it than leave without it. So those are back there. If you don't like any of them, man, you listen to them or read it, you don't like it, give it to somebody you don't like. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want to pray and welcome the Lord. Just, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity. And, Lord, we thank you for truth. It is our anchor. Lord, the truest thing about us is what you say about us. It's not how we feel, not even how we behave, but, Lord, what you say. Who you say we are. It's fitting we did that song tonight. So, Lord, I'm grateful for everything that you've uh, deposited within me, and Lord, just use me to share with this wonderful body uh, all the life and spirit that you want to impart. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Well, I believe my assignment for tonight is for us to just get reacquainted with truth because we live in a culture filled with a lot of deception and uh, political correctness. Uh, lives among us, which is a whole, I believe, assignment of the enemy uh, to bring deception. And, of course, Brother Dwayne has, has shared on that. Uh, I was listening to Brother Jacob at Jubilee, and he talked about being tethered uh, to the truth, you know, that we live in a blizzard of information, technology, distraction, I would even add deception, and so he talked about this farmer who tied a rope from his house to his barn because he's up north, I think Michigan, he was telling the story from. But when the whiteout comes or there comes a blizzard just rapidly, the farmer has to have a way to get from his barn back to his house. So he tied a rope there. And he likened that rope to the truth in the day and age with which we live and the culture we live in. And my heart goes out to young people because they're, I mean, yes, all of us have lots of information coming at us, but young people especially, 
uh, in this information age and the internet and all those things. I don't think the internet is going anywhere. Okay, so, so we need to anchor ourselves to the truth. We need to be tethered to the truth. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. Um, Alex, if you wouldn't mind, let's go ahead and put John 8, 31 and 32 up there. I had that as the second one, but I just want to go ahead and put it up there. Then Jesus said to those uh, Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then the next verse says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ himself said, truth is not something you determine about yourself as a human being. Truth is something you come to know. In other words, truth is something you get to discover. Let me tell you good news. Truth was here before you got here. Truth will be here after you're gone. There's truth about you that does not fluctuate with how you feel, how you act, how you behave, or what your mother-in-law said about you. Amen? I mean, that, that's a valid thing. Do you assign more truth to who God says you are or to what somebody else says about you? How we feel, all those things. I would submit to you because the biggest argument I get on this is, well, but my behavior, my behavior has got to reveal the truth. Now, it may reveal facts because the fact is maybe you did that, you did something unrighteous, but isn't it possible that someone's behavior does not reveal the truth about them, nor even their true identity, it could reveal they believed a lie about themselves. There are people here tonight all over Durant. Is it true that God loves them? It is true. He loves every single person in Durant. Matter of fact, gave his own life in his son for every person in Durant because he loves them. But not everybody in Durant believes that God loves them. So they live out of that deception and then we see the behavior and I'm telling you that behavior doesn't reveal the truth about them. It actually reveals they believed a lie because they're living a lie that looks like they don't believe they're loved by God. And I, not, not just the world, but even the church. How many people go to church, you know, they give money, they do good things, they're gonna try and do good deeds and they do it so God will love them. What's the truth? God already does love it. So everything you're doing that looks religious and good is actually rooted in unbelief. But you, you look at it and say, oh, well, he goes to church and he, he's got to believe God loves him. No, he may be going tonight because he is deceived in thinking that he has to perform for God to love him. So he's not living based on truth. He's living based on a deception or based on his own feeling. So why do I say that? I say that to say that even your behavior doesn't determine what's true about you. The one who made you determines what's true about you. And only pride would say, I know who I am better than the one who made me. Only pride would say that. Yeah. So Jesus says here, truth is something you come to know. And isn't it interesting that when you come to know it, you become free. So that, that tells me then we're made for truth. We're made by the truth and for the truth. You can say it this way, Colossians 1.16, I'm made by him for him. Because the truth is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's, look at, let's look at the next one, Alex, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And then John 16.13. 
Jesus said, however, when the spirit of, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he calls him what? The spirit of truth. When he comes, he'll guide you into all truth, for he'll not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, that, that's what he'll speak, and he'll tell you even things to come. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in, into all truth. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting, Jesus, when he was leaving, he didn't say, I'm going to leave you a book to read. He said, I want to leave the Holy Spirit with you, and he'll abide with you forever. He didn't say, he'll abide with you till you mess up, Zach. Then when you mess up, well, he'll leap out of your body and run away scared. Can I get a witness that light is greater than darkness? Jesus walked into a culture of religious people that believed darkness was greater than light. They even required lepers to cry out unclean so that in their holiness they could pass by on the other side. Because they had such a weak holiness. They believed that darkness could taint light. Jesus comes into this culture knowing that light is what expels darkness and he heals lepers by touching them. Right, he could have sprinkled some Jesus dust over the, over the fence and said, be healed all you guys, but I don't want to touch you. No, he, t- he healed them by touching them. Amen. So we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I am not dissing the scriptures at all. We, man, thank God for the scriptures, amen. But thank God for the author who enlightens the scriptures to us, enlightens truth to us, guides us into all truth. I've seen people take scripture and damage people with it, condemn people with it, alienate people, you know, with it. Brother Dwayne, you know his testimony in the loss of his brother. I mean, we we see religion does that all the time. So it's good to know scripture. It's better to know the author and ask him to enlighten you to it. So truth is important. Everybody say truth is important. Number one, the truth of God renews our minds. Number two, the truth of God transforms our hearts, empowers us for ministry to other people. How many of you think it's good to minister to others? I really believe we'll see that more in 2020. I think we'll see the church of Jesus Christ begin to mobilize. Um, We borderline sometimes on being fat from consumption. And we just eat and eat and eat. And I'm telling you, I think in 2020, we're going to see some invasiveness with the body of Christ. And and let me say this redemptively, not not accusingly, very redemptively, let us run to our city and serve them. Let's run to our city and share. The the early church did not out-argue pagans. They out-loved them. And that's what we're called to do, is out-love them. So number four, The truth of God aligns us with our true identity. The truth of God sets us free. We looked at that one. The truth of God protects us from deception. So no matter how cluttered our culture becomes with deception, we can anchor to the truth. And you know, a lot of people tell me there's such a battle of in our culture today of good versus evil. It's not good versus evil. It is what man says is good versus what God says is good. That is what the war is over. And the politicians run into this environment and say, there is, there is really no absolute truth. How many young people have heard that, been taught that? There's nothing you can bank on. The whole culture is shifting towards agnosticism, that there is a God. Even politicians will use G-O-D. Now, you, you use Jesus, we got problems. 
right? Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm up, up, up near Oklahoma City. If you pray for the Thunder, thank God they pray before games. Amen? Thank God. I, I'm glad that they do. But you can't use Jesus' name. Because in, in the world's mind and even in Oklahoma City, even in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Jesus is just another religion who shouldn't be favored over another religion. I'm telling you, boy, I'm about to come off this stage. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is not a religious figure. Jesus Christ is the one true God made flesh, walking around. Did he not say, if you've seen me, you've seen your father creator? John, that's John 14. John 10, 30, he said, I and the father are one. Even the Pharisees knew he was making himself out to be God. Caiaphas put him under oath of the living God. Tell us if you're the Christ. Jesus said, it is as you've said. He made himself out to be God. How everybody has missed that, I have no idea. Because all we're, co all we're coached in anymore, and even Christians fall for this. Well, yeah, uh, every religion is the same. They should all be treated equally. They, they're all the same, and they're all no good. Man is not made for religion. Man is made for a relationship with a living God. Jesus Christ is not a religious figure. He did not come here to start a religion. Are you listening to me? He didn't come to start a religion. He came to restore a relationship that had been lost in the Garden of Eden. Amen. To restore. You uh, English professors, English teachers understand prefixes, right? Re means to what? Go back again. Go back. So if he's going to restore, if he's going to reconcile, if he's going to redeem, what is he doing? He's taking us back to what we once had that we lost. He sure didn't come here to start a religion to be laid alongside and compete with Buddha and Muhammad and all these other ones. Nowhere in the Garden of Eden did God say, let's start a religion, Adam. Nowhere in the Garden of Eden did he say, let's make a bunch of them and they'll all lead to me. Hello, Oprah. <laughs> right? Oprah was America's pastor in the 80s and 90s, according to many media people and celebrities. Oprah's Oprah was a pastor here. Well, she started that by saying, hey, they, they all lead to the same place. Yeah, they all lead to bondage. God never said in the Garden of Eden, Adam, I'll see you next Sunday. Come on, somebody. He didn't say, I'll see you on Wednesday and Sunday. What did they have in the Garden of Eden? It was a day-to-day, heart-to-heart, thought-to-thought, spirit-to-spirit relationship every single day. That's what he came to restore. I don't want a form of godliness that has no power. The word power there is dunamis. So we relate how? Spirit-to-spirit. Spirit. Boy, I'm going to get into that here in just a second. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes I get excited. But in this culture, they try and tell us, well, you can't really know the truth. There were two researches done. Zach, I think you'll find this in interesting. Two researches that were done, studies, with the National Study of Youth and Religion at the University of North Carolina. They interviewed over 3,000 teenagers in this study. And here's the first summary they came up with. Teenagers today in America believe this. There is a God, lowercase, who he exists, who created the world, and watches over it. But you can't really know him. There is a God. So again, I'm, that's why I say agnosticism. There is a God in these teenagers' mind, but you really can't know him. Second thing, God wants people to be good. 
and fair and nice to each other like the Bible and other religions teach. Number three, God does not need to be involved in our daily lives except to solve a problem. The chief goal of life, they said, was self-fulfillment and to be happy. My goodness. I'll never forget when Brother Dwayne didn't, I think he did a, a survey here where we, he asked young people, what's the goal of marriage? And they said, to be happy. And he said, rent a jet ski. <laughs> Go to Six Flags. <laughs> you don't get married to be happy. You, go, you get married to die, amen? <laughs> it's true. When you got married, didn't you get married in an altar? What happens on the altar? Things die. You had to die to being single. You had to die to being selfish. You had to die to thinking only of you. You became a new creation. You were single. Now you are married. You are one with another. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. Amen. (laughs) So these young people in this survey, it revealed that you can't really know God. He's off in the distance. Dean and Sarah, who... uh, pastors down in Tallahassee, Florida, he said this, if you live in the South, there's a good chance that your biggest mission field is people who've grown up in a culture where you can be a Christian without knowing Jesus. I am going to say that again. If you live in the South, there's a good chance your biggest mission field is people who've grown up in a culture where you can be a Christian without knowing Jesus. They call it cultural Christianity. And what it is is, yes, I'm a Christian. Why? Because I I believe in God. I I believe that Jesus died for everybody. He died for my sins or whatever. You know the demons believe that. The question is, do you know him? Adam, Adam and Eve knew him. They had a relationship with him in the garden. So if, if he's coming to restore, then it's, he's not coming to say, hey, everybody believe God exists. That's what's happened in our culture. But let me tell you the movement that's happening. There is an army of people who are desperate to know him, who want to move beyond just a knowledge of God. Yes, I'm a, quote, Christian. We end up looking just like the world because there's no substance to it. We don't really know him intrapersonally, intrapersonally. You realize he came and died so he could live inside you. When Adam and Eve died, when, when we fell in the Garden of Eden, they died spiritually. Okay, so, so Jesus had to come as the second Adam, pay the full price, and he prayed it for everybody, okay, with the end game that intimacy would return inside of humanity, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, thought to thought, day to day, walking with God. Does that make sense? So see, if you take, bless you, if you take the <laughs> death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you say, well, yeah, he lived, he died, he rose again, you take that and then you uh, neglect the fourth thing, now he lives in you by the Holy Spirit, then you've lost the reason he came. E. Stanley Jones, a great missionary to India, called that the greatest tragedy of modern Christianity, that they'll take the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and then completely disregard 
that he wants to come live triumphantly and intimately inside the believer. So we have to take the Holy Spirit. Amen? When we got born again, it didn't happen at church membership, people. (laughs) God, you, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And that's how you have a spirit-to-spirit, heart-to-heart relationship, which was what God always intended from our beginning. So what are we going to do then if we've got all these people in the culture who, you know, say they're a Christian but they really don't know Jesus or, yeah, I believe in God but I really don't walk with him because I really can't know him. You realize we carry that answer. We, we carry the revelation that, oh, yes, you can know him. I mean, let's be real. God is Elohim. Hey, you nod your head. That tells me you know about Elohim. This is the one in Genesis 1-1 who created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. It's the first name for God in Scripture, Genesis 1-1. Think of how big he is. He stands outside of the heavens and the earth and makes them. You think he's confined to the heavens. He made the heavens. He's bigger than the heavens and the earth. He stands outside of them. I think, honestly, they probably live, the heavens and the earth probably live somewhere within him. It's an, you, can't, you can't comprehend it. You see why? You see, you can't comprehend a God that that's big, that, that is that big. But think about this. He wanted you to know him so bad. He goes through the Old Testament revealing name after name after name. He goes from Elohim to Jehovah, right? We got all the Jehovah names, Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is your shepherd. He's telling, he's introducing himself to you. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is your righteousness, Jehovah Rophi, I'm, I'm the Lord, your healer. So he goes out of his way. See, we can relate, Brother Zach, to, to young people in today's culture that say he's too big, we can't know him. We say, we get it. But let me tell you how desperate he is for you to know him. Because beyond all those names, then in the New Testament, we see the name above every name. The name that encompasses every single revelation where he's telling humanity, because he's huge and we're not. But in his love for us, he's got to reveal this is who I am. And Jesus Christ shows up. Are you kidding me? And says, if you've seen me, you've seen your father. How about this one? 2 Corinthians 5.18, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He's desperate for us to know him. We carry that message. We are that message. You are not the answer to Durant, but you carry the answer to Durant. You carry him. Amen? You're just the UPS truck. You're not the goods. You, you, you are the deliverer of the package. You are not the package. Amen? And I'm all, for, I'm all for great churches, but going to church won't save anybody. They've got to have a living, breathing relationship with the living God, and that's what God intended from the very beginning. From the very beginning. And that's what, I did that series that's out there on origins. That's what all of that is about, is what God intended from the beginning. So what do we do? Well, we have to wisely and skillfully run to the darkness. Amen? Amen. Now's not the time to get your Vienna sausage and your 12-gauge and go up in the hill somewhere. Because the devil's taking over. I already told you, light is greater than darkness. Love is greater than hate. Love is the strongest force in the world, and it will win. Amen? The power of love will always trump the love of power. Always. In the end, love never fails. 
So we will win. And here's an interesting concept for you. I believe, and I mentioned it earlier, every human being is made by him and for him. Even lost people, they're made for him. You ever seen somebody get saved and then they kick the ground like, man, this is the worst thing I've ever done. This is terrible. I invited Jesus in. I spent all weekend with Jesus, Zach, and now I'm just depressed. I've never seen that. Amen? When, when they receive the spirit of Christ and he lifes their dead spirit, they come alive. All of a sudden they feel right. They feel peace and they feel joy. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God, the rule of God within is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's a homecoming. It's not estrangement. It's a homecoming. And I, I believe that they are open to us praying for them. I believe they are open to truth when it's married to grace, like Brother Dwayne did the, the series on grace and truth. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, there are so many. I think, I think maybe there's demonic forces involved. If you're gracious with them and you really are communicating, you care about them. And they're rejected. I don't, don't pray for me, all that stuff. I think there's something demonic at work. And so then you just sniper pray for them. You say, okay, and while you're walking away, go to intercession. Start praying. I was in Taco Bell in Choctaw the other day, and I was on the phone with a pastor in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, a friend of mine, and he, uh, he was asking me, what, what is going on? He had read some stuff on Facebook with churches doing this and doing that. And I said, listen, there is some of that, you know, where we, we think errantly that, okay, well, if we have a great light show and we do a great performance and the band is aces and then, you know, we try to borrow from the culture to reach the culture. But I'm telling him on the phone, I said, you know, the church has made that mistake in the past, but the bottom line is if you want to be relevant to human beings, if you want to reach people in your town, you've got to offer them Jesus. Because they're made by him and for him. Smoke shows will never do. Amen. A smoke show uh, will never, never satisfy you. How about this? Man's too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but God. Because we're made in his image. That's why it's a homecoming. So I'm telling this guy on the phone while I'm in Taco Bell getting ready to order that if you want to be relevant to human beings, you've got to offer them Jesus because only he can satisfy the human heart. And the woman at the cash register looked at me, said, high five. That is the truth. <laughs> now, I don't know if she's saved or not. I, I don't think she was, but she sure, it bore witness with her. Why is that? Because every man and woman has a measure of faith. We're not going to out-argue the pagans. We're going to out-love them. We're going to share truth in the midst. I mean, you look at how dark and deceptive the culture gets. Light is brightest in the darkness. Amen. So what do we do? We run skillfully, we, we run tenderly, kindly to the darkness, and we demonstrate the reality of truth living on the inside of us. If you're taking notes, I want you to get this. Remember this. You cannot reach who you do not love. You'll never reach them. You can't reach Durant if you don't love Durant. And I mean in all of its ugliness. I, I mean the worst, you know, bars or whatever you want to pick, whatever the worst places are. You can't sit around and loathe gambling. I can't believe all the gambling. Okay, sorry. You can loathe gambling. <laughs> you can't loathe all the people who, who struggle with, with gambling, the gamblers. You, you can't reach who you don't love. You, 
you can't reach who you don't love. And have you noticed how our media is a tool of the devil and tries to pit races against each other and this group against that group, even men and women fussing and fighting all the time? There's such an assignment on our country to bring division, and unfortunately the media just feeds right into it. There are, there are insidious spirits who want to bring this country down. But listen to me, you don't war with flesh and blood, okay? The, the, the Democrats, it doesn't, you can't reach them if you don't love them. And what I mean is the love of God shed abroad in your heart. I'm not talking about we love what they do or what they stand for. And I'm just going to say it. I'm not saying the Republicans are perfect either. Come on, I mean, let's be real. I was at a conference that I shared at uh, about a month or two ago. And one of the, I was sharing about this concept. You cannot reach who you do not love. You have got to ask the Lord, give me love for the people around me. Because the rest of it is you can't, you won't pray for people you don't love. And, yeah, maybe you don't have a relationship with them, but you could pray for them. You could beseech uh, heaven on their behalf. Amen. You can cancel assignments against them. Whatever that thing is that keeps them from seeing. Whatever that thing is that keeps them from hearing. And I'm at this conference, and I shared this principle. And after I was done, one of the leaders of the conference came up and publicly repented. He said, I have had a complete and utter hatred for Nancy Pelosi. And the Spirit of God absolutely convicted me. That what Brother Steve said is right. And he spoke to me. He said, you can't pray for her with all this bitterness in your heart. But I died for her just like I died for you. Amen. It was powerful. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Amen. He was loving towards them without affirming their sin. And that's where, my goodness, some of the stuff going on in our country, it started with tolerance and then acceptance and then education and now even legislation. So the great thing about Jesus is he loved them, but he didn't conceal truth from them. He didn't use love as the excuse to hide truth from somebody. The bottom line is if you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. You know, we're, we're righteous and we're loved and we haven't really barely scratched the surface on that, but I kind of started there and we sang about it to, tonight that I am who God says I am. But people who come out and say God doesn't care about your behavior or your little pet sins or all that stuff, they don't understand the love of God. God, in his love for you, protests every step of your self-destruction. Why, why did I marry that to that? Because sin will kill you. Sin will kill everything you love. You're not an affinity with sin. You're actually made, you're not made by sin for sin. You're made by God for God. So because you're made in the image of God, your heart sings in what? Unconditional love. Your heart sings in forgiveness. When you forgive yourself and you forgive others, you are now participating with the divine nature of Almighty God and your heart sings. When you take up grudges, you're your own worst enemy. Having grudges like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. You ever heard of a thing called ill will? What's the first half of the word? Ill, because even doctors know that if a human being stays in resentment and hatred and and bitterness, 
they'll poison themselves. You'll get sick. Why? Because it's not written into you. You can't change who made you. His fingerprints are all over your inside. I'm telling you the truth. Elohim, that guy who made the heavens and the earth, (laughs) stands outside of them, but yet knows the hairs on your head, wrote all the days, numbered the days in his book before there was one of them. It's incredible. He's incredibly intimate and personal, and that's our God. And so we need to be able to love without affirming people's without affirming their sin. My wife, Stacy and I, and Stacy has the flu. She couldn't be here tonight. But we were at Karis Bible College a couple of months ago, and there, were, there was a speaker named Rich Van Winkle from Texas. He pastors in Texas. And he shared this story about a guy in his church named Keith. Keith uh, was a former Mr. Gay America that started coming to their church down in Texas. And... Uh, Brother Rich got to know Keith because when he came, he was already saved. But he got to know him. And, uh, man, some of the stories that Keith would tell him about how Christians treated him. He was at Mardi Gras one year, you know, with the beads and you stand up on the deck or whatever that thing is. And uh, Keith is there. And uh, he's there with some of his buddies. And there's a bunch of, uh, again, quote, Christians down there who are hurling insults, they're holding signs, you're going straight to hell, all these things, you know, bad-mouthing him. And here's what he told Rich in that story. He said, um, when I was at Mardi, Mardi Gras and I was still hanging, running with that crowd because I wasn't saved, he said, when I was watching all this venom in these people that were supposedly Christians, I said in my own heart, I said, Jesus, when I get saved, would you help me not be like them? And then guess what? He got saved. (laughs) He got saved. And he tells the story. He told Rich, he said, the day I invited Christ in, every same-sex attraction feeling I had left. Everyone. Isn't that powerful? Do you realize that people who are struggling with same-sex attraction or homosexuality or whatever, you realize they cannot go choose holiness without the Holy Spirit? Think about this. They have to come to Christ first. He is the change agent. The Holy Spirit is who empowers us to holiness. Even if somebody quits being gay, leaves the lifestyle, it doesn't mean they're born again. And I would dare say if they left the, the lifestyle in their own strength, good luck. I mean, how do we do? I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. I struggle with opposite-sex attraction. Everybody all right? Okay. But the same, the same enemy and flesh that would try to subdue me and, and uh, what's the word, bind me in sin is the same one, just a different way, a different manifestation uh, for Keith. So the rest of the story was that one day Keith came into his office he came into Rich's office, and they had noticed the last couple of months that he didn't, he didn't look well. They didn't know what was going on. But Keith was tearing up, and he told Pastor Rich, he said, Brother Rich, I have AIDS. And he said, I don't have long, according to the doctors. 
And he said, would you like me to leave the church? Because, you know, it all might come out on what's wrong with Keith. Rich didn't say a word. He went back to his office. He had a bathroom in his office, and he filled a basin full of water, and he came out, and he washed Keith's feet. And he said, don't you ever leave this church. The same blood that made me clean is the same blood that has washed you clean. We cannot reach who we do not love. We don't have to love the sin. But my goodness, can, we can't become so Christian we can't relate to sinners. Because I'm going to go back to that little soapbox that it's the Holy Spirit who empowered me to do anything holy anyway. It's not me. It's through my simple yieldedness. So let's make an effort to bring them to him. Bring them to him and then he begins. And we walk with them, amen. I mean, I have people ask me, you know, I have this loved one, I have this relative, he's, you know, come out or this or that or the other. Um, here's what you say. You've got to be able to say this under the anointing. And by anointing, I just mean sincerely. You tell that person, I love you and God loves you. But this thing you're involved in does not love you. So let's have a funeral and I will help you bury it. Did you catch that? I will help you bury it. Not I'll be your friend. You can come to church. You can hang out with us as soon as you bury it. Jesus mentioned the Pharisees, how they would lay up heavy yokes on people's necks, but never lift a finger to help them. Man, we have got to remember where we came from. You've got to know where you'd be without him. He's the difference maker. And so we, we focus too much on behavior modification. Let me tell you something that's more important than behavior, belief. Belief. So when, when Keith got born again, guess what? Yes, he got delivered. But what helped him stay free of it was he saw himself as a new creation. He realized, I am not that person anymore. I am a new creation. And so even, how many of you know the enemy would tempt him to go back? But he would say, hey, that's not who I am anymore. I love that in 1 Corinthians 6.11 where Paul lists out all those things, you know, uh, sodomizers, homosexuals, maybe adulterers, fornicators, all that stuff will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But he said, and such were some of you. He didn't say you used to do those things. He said you were those things. So it's in knowing truth that I am who God says I am. I am this new creation, and it's elevated beyond what I think, feel, and believe. I had to tell young people the other day, I said, you realize every thought you have is not coming from you or from God. But in our culture, it's like if you have one thought towards, you know, that person or you have one lustful thought towards that person, well, you pro that, that's probably who you are. Oh, no, there's an enemy who's lying to people. So what do we got to do? We got to be tethered to the truth. We have to be familiar with the truth. We have to be walking in truth, eating, drinking, sleeping the truth. So that brings me to the seventh thing that truth does. It keeps us attuned to God's spirit. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 2.4. God doesn't desire that any would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. So without truth, what happens to us? We perish. My goodness. God wants us all, everybody, to come to the knowledge 
of the truth. Maybe people are bound by sin in Durant because they don't know the truth. And I would say the truth about him and who he is, how much he loves them, how he's the, he'll take you just as, as you are. Can I get a witness on that? He done that for anybody in here. He'll take you right where you are, loves you too much to leave you there. But he wants everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so maybe people who are lost in Durant and doing foolish things, harmful things, voting wrong, <laughs> don't know the truth of who he is, don't know the truth of who they are in him. People without the truth perish. We're no different than a fish out of water when we don't live in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm going to let that rest there. Human beings, talking about all of us, are no different than a fish out of water when we don't live in spirit and in truth. You say, okay, Brother Steve, where do you get that? Here's where. In Genesis 1, verse 11 through 25. Everybody tracking with me? Genesis 1, verse 11 through 25. Ten times God says, let seed bring forth fruit, and he uses this phrase, according to its kind. According to its kind. So let's pick it up in Genesis 1, 24. I'll show this to you. Then God said, so this has been happening according to its kind. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Cattle and creeping thing, beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind. And then cattle according to its kind. And everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Paraphrase, according to our kind. So is God spirit? Then where's our native land? In the spirit. Walking in the spirit, living by the spirit, spirit to spirit relationship. According to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, etc., etc. What's the next verse? So God created man in his own image. There it is, in the image of God he created him. Wow, male and female, he created them. So in the beginning, nobody had dominion over anybody. Male and female were created to co-rule together, take dominion together. I want you to see in this that you're undeniably God's most amazing creation. So in the beginning, he makes two worlds, Genesis 1-1, the heavens and the earth, but he made them simultaneously to work together. But then he wanted, to, he wanted to colonize the earth, the physical part, with the spirit, the heavenly part. What am I saying? I'm saying God's desire in creation was to take what's in heaven and put it in the earth, not the other way around. <laughs> Well, that wacko is saying that we're not going to heaven. No, I'm not saying that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm saying that his desire is to fill the earth with heaven. And so righteousness reigns in heaven. He wants it here. Look at the life of Jesus. He is the lead ambassador of heaven here. Remember when he showed up? John the Baptist, Matthew 3, 2. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said the same thing. He didn't say repent, sign a card, join a church when you're dead, get water baptized, you'll go to heaven when you're, when you're dead. He didn't say that. He said heaven has come because the spirit has come to invade the earth. The spirit is returning. 
The spirit that you lost in the beginning has come back to you. And I will die for you and I'll cleanse you. See, the Holy Spirit took up temporary housing in the Old Testament after the fall. The Ark of the Covenant, the temple, the tabernacle. Tabernacle is how many parts? How many are we? You got to have help to miss it. So the Holy Spirit, he takes up residence, temporary housing in these temporary places until what? After the cross. And the veil of the temple is rent from top to bottom. The Spirit of God now can return to humankind. Whosoever would receive him, right? He's a gentleman. So we can have spirit to spirit, heart to heart, day to day relationship. That's what God always intended for us. I'm going to wrap this up here in just a second. My point is, God makes the heavens and the earth, but he needs a, cre- a creature, a creation that's incredible, that's bi-dimensional. That can take of the spirit side and, and manifest it on the earth side. So he gave you one of these and put himself within you. He breathed into you. Amen, Genesis 2-7. He breathed his spirit into us. And then in John 20, verse 22, after the resurrection, Jesus went to the disciples. And what did he do? What did he do? He breathed on them. And then he said, receive. The word sieve is an old old English word from the 1600s that means to to take, to, to have. So he said, retake the spirit of God. Isn't that magnificent? You see how special you are? You see how significant you are to his plans. That's why he gave you dominion. But, but we gave it away and Jesus had to come and get it back. But everybody say, I'm precious to God. Say, I'm important to his plan. And I'm perfectly designed for him. I'm going to leave you with this. And if the, I don't know if we have a piano player or who wants to come. There's a law in creation. We see it in Genesis 1. And I didn't show you all the scriptures. But what's interesting is that when God, when God wanted, it's a law of creation or origin, if you will. When God wanted fish, guess who he spoke to? The water. He spoke to the water to bring forth fish. That's why a fish has to abide in water or it'll die. Because its origin was water. It came from water. Can you imagine a fish in water saying, I don't believe in water. I don't need water. <laughs> That's atheists. <laughs> because let me finish the story. When he wanted stars, he spoke to the firmament to bring forth stars. Guess what happens to a star if it falls and leaves the firmament? It dies. What happens to a fish if it leaves the water? It dies. Dying, it dies. It starts the beginning process of dying and it dies. And so when he said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. The translation is, you'll start dying and you'll die. You'll be like a fish on the bank. Dying, you will die. Why? Because you're not created to live in anything, certainly not your own knowledge of good and evil. You're not created to live independently of me. You must abide in me. This should sound familiar, John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Branch, There are no self-sustaining branches. Just like there's no fish in the auditorium tonight having a good time. Where are they? In the water, if they're alive. When he wanted vegetation, he spoke to the 
to the ground to bring forth vegetation. And then in verse 26, when he wanted you, he spoke to himself. What did he say? He said, let us make man in our image. When he wanted you, he spoke to himself. You're made in the image of God. You've got to get a hold of how valuable you are to him. And then sign up and say, Father, my life is yours. And I will be your partner to take dominion lovingly in Durant or Atoka or Broken Bow or Hugo or or wherever. Does that make sense to you? Let's stand together. Amen. Well, I guess we don't have a piano player. <laughs> so I'm going to pray. And uh, I told Brother Lee and Brother Zach, if, if, you, if you want prayer, uh, ministry team, go ahead and come. If you would like me to pray for you, I will do my best, you know, to get to you. But I'm going to stay here and tarry a little bit. We have a, a young lady that's uh, at the table. If you can't stay and you want to get some of the product, you can go by there. But I'm going to stay here, and whoever wants prayer, I'm going to pray for you. Will you just open your hands with me just like this? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that administrates truth. And, Lord, we're not going to run from the culture. We're not going to run from what we see. But, Lord, we're equipped. We're made in your image, and you breathed your spirit back to us. It has returned. And, Lord, let your Holy Spirit be in us now and upon us now and through us now to represent you and your glorious kingdom of heaven, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Lord, we want to represent it in our families, to our spouses, to our children, at our schools, Lord, at the restaurant, Lord, in our businesses, in our town. It's a simple prayer, Father, that when they see us, may they see you. That's what you always intended when you gave us these earth earth suits, that, that when they see us, they would see you. We love you, Father, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Stick around if you want some prayer.